Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, April 22nd. A kind of calm before the storm Monday of tennis we just saw. Obviously, we've got the WTA premier event in Stuttgart. Six of the top seven players in the world going to be featured there, and we'll talk about that later this week. We've also on the ATP side action in ATP 500 in Barcelona. We've got a 250 in Budapest, and then, of course, the ongoing Roland Garros wildcard challenge on the USTA uh, for the American men uh, and also for the women. So we've got that going on both sides as well. As it was in Easter Monday, you know, a lot of people have the work off. Uh, it's just going to be me steering the ship today. Obviously, that's me being lazy. I was enjoying some time with my family, so I didn't have time to arrange a guest. But, of course, I have time to talk about a little bit of tennis, so I'm going to do that. Before we do, though, I always have to ask you, please, if you've missed anything from the tennis world, check out our website, CrackedRackets.com. Our team doing our best to keep all of you guys up to date with all things going on in the tennis world. Obviously, on the podcast front, cracked interviews. We've had so many great guests. Carlos Silva of the World uh, Tennis uh, Team Tennis, the CEO, is just... I'm flabbergasted when I even bring him up because I had so much fun on that pod. We had Mike Cation, USTA uh, Pro Circuit announcer, come on both the mini break last Friday as well as uh, the Cracked Interviews pod, or maybe it was the Great Shot podcast. It's hard to keep track. That's how much great content we've got coming your way. Obviously, also What the Deuce. They've got Kennedy Schaefer, uh, David Roditi, Petros Frisokos, all of our favorite guests on their podcast. So go listen to all of those. Rate, subscribe, review, share with your friends. Of course, our Cracked Rackets free gear giveaway competition is still going leave a five-star review uh, leave yourself a little in the comments saying what you think about the podcast as well as your instagram handle twitter handle email address whatever at the end of each week we are going to pick one winner and then announce it on the monday pod we have not yet announced this week's winner and it's not because we don't have entrance we do it's simply because i just want to share that experience with someone else and as i mentioned it's just going to be me steering the ship today so i think we're going to postpone that one more day tomorrow but trust me that lucky winner we will be talking about you tomorrow so stay tuned uh but with all that said all the plugging done let's talk a little tennis so the place i want to start is barcelona uh that being an atp 500 event this still being the beginning of the clay court season there's a lot of interesting players we want to see playing in the draw today we had round of 64 action throughout the draw and i think the match we have to start with particularly because if it's a cracked racket it's product you know we're probably talking about the next-gen Americans. We had an all-star matchup in the first round. Taylor Fritz, you know, 1997, he was number one in the world. He won a junior Grand Slam that year, the U.S. Open, I think, 2015. Another guy from his class who had success that year, Riley Opelka, the junior Wimbledon champion. Both these guys now in the top 75. They match up in a match which, you know, neither of these guys have a ton of ATP experience on the clay. So it's still great to see them on that surface, see how they compete. It's a little weird to see them compete against one another. And, you know, that always plays a factor in the quality of tennis you see when you're seeing two very close friends play against one another. But for Taylor Fritz in this one, he's a little bit too good. He comes out in the match six. 6364 just did a really good job protecting his serve he knows how to play Riley get him stretched open up serve plus ones for himself he doesn't have to go for lines but if he keeps Riley going side to side doesn't let him dictate on return games makes a bunch of first serves he knows he can have success and that's what he did today five aces against two double faults that's efficient made 66% of his first serve 77% of those first serve points he won he won 72% of his second serve points and most importantly he faced no break points on the day so you know he served himself 
kept himself comfortable, kept holding serve, and eventually Riley cracked. Now Riley's seven aces against six double faults. Usually the ace count's a little higher, but six double faults, you just don't want to see that. Uh, made 63% of his first serves, obviously won 83% of those points. Fritz not being the best mover when Riley was able to set himself up with serve plus ones. You know, it was lights out, and to his credit, he only faced four break points on the day now. Taylor converted two of those, and that's a testament to him stepping up in the biggest moments, knowing that his chances were going to be limited, and I guess that's a sign of maturity for Taylor now as well to win uh, first-round matches in Barcelona at the Masters 1000 level. Now a first-round match here, despite it being against Opelka. That's great points for him. If he, He'd be leading the wildcard challenge if he needed, but he isn't going to need it. So really mature win from Taylor. Um, I'm sure Riley would be frustrated. I mean, it's never going to affect these two friendship. I believe Riley was Taylor's best man at his wedding. Uh, but for Taylor, he's got to be happy, you know, knock another one out of, under his book, another notch uh, against a next-gen American rival. We've seen him play Tiafo a couple times as well. Don't think we've seen a matchup with Tommy Paul yet. That'll be fun when that happens. There, Hopefully we'll get to see all of these match guys match up numerous times throughout their career. But for Taylor... He just was a little bit better than Riley today. The next match I want to talk about, uh, this is a player who I thought, you know, coming into this experience, it was funny. I had a text exchange with Max Rothman last night, and, you know, as I mentioned, he's been really getting into gambling, and he was like, yo, um, let me do my best Rothman impression here. (laughs) Yeah, man, like, I'm really considering betting on Mackie here over Taro, and of course, he only uses first names, so that's why I do that. He's like, yeah, man, I love Mackie's chances against Taro, and I was thinking, you know, we haven't really seen Mackie have a lot of success on the clay. You look at his, you know, he was a college player, so he hasn't had a bunch of full ATP seasons under his belt. But last year, he does play his first full clay season. And look, he lost first round in Bordeaux, lost first round Savannah, lost first round Sarasota, lost first round Tallahassee. Those are all on the challenger level now. He also made second-round qualities French Open, but didn't qualify there. He lost first round earlier this year in Houston. So I had never seen him have success on the clay, and for him to put together the performance he did today, a 6-2-6-2 win over Taro Daniel. I mean, you look at the serving stats from this match, made 60% of his first serves, won 76% of those points, 82% of his second serve points he saved, the one break point he faced. He was just the guy constantly dictating, and you worry about him given how flat he hits the ball, given how early he likes to take uh, balls from the baseline. It's not going to translate the best to clay. It's so hard to keep your footing stand, and Mackie's a great mover. That's never an issue, but it's just hard to cut balls off early because it's so hard to get traction when you're bouncing off of that step, you know, recovering back to the center. It's just going to take you a little bit of extra time, but today he was able to dictate uh, the pace. He was able to dictate what direction these guys were playing. He was, you know, mixing up balls well down the line, cross-court, cross-court, down the line. Obviously a guy who always throws in drop shots and comes to the net comfortably. And this number that sticks out, you know, he holds Taro Daniel to 8 of 19 on second serve points, earns himself 10 break points throughout the course of the match. He earned every bit of this win. And for Mackey, a guy who's just getting his confidence on the clay, that's going to be huge moving forward because he's getting into every Grand Slam now. He's he's positioned himself well in the rankings. Obviously, he's got that Wimbledon fourth round coming off at the end of the summer. So he's trying to accumulate as many points at the ATP level as possible before then. 
And this win will certainly help. So great for Mackey. It's going to be fun to see him uh, advance to the next round. And I will talk a little bit more about who he's playing when I preview that play. But for now, you know, great win by him. And I'm sure he's ecstatic going into the next round. Okay, the last match I want to break down from Barcelona. Uh, This one does not feature an American player, but of course... It features a player near and dear to both mine and Max Rothman's heart. Yoshihito Nishioka wins the first set 6-4 against qualifier in this tournament, Diego Schwartzman. But then Diego's just too good throughout the the, ma- the rest of the match. He bounces back 6-4, 6-2 in those next two sets. Just wore Nishioka down physically. You could tell at the end he was going for more drop shots than he usually does. Nishioka guy who was out with injury, so hasn't put a full season on the ATP level on clay either. So again, it's just nice to get data on these guys. But, you know, Schwartzman, after he tweeted his displeasure, he signed up late for the tournament or forgot to check in, so he had to come through qualies. Then he has to play the next day against Nishioka. I mean, it's just a tough position for him to be in. So for him to bounce back here, you look at the stats from this match, make 67% of his first serves, wins 62% of those first serve points, 50% of his second serve points, saves 13 of the er, yeah, 13 of the 18 break points he faced. You heard that correctly. Even more impressively, Nishioka, maybe not impressively, but remarkably, Nishioka saved 11 of the 18 break points they faced, you know. Holding serve came at a premium in this match, and for Diego, he did just enough. And just this style play, you know, neither of these guys are over six feet. They're both a generous 5-9. Yeah, that, that's definitely generous. And it's just an interesting contrast to some of the, the big hitting, you know, big forehand, big serving you're used to seeing now at the ATP level. This was grinded out points physically. Who's the guy who can get to that extra ball? And it's a fun match to see. So, you know, if you have some time, you're looking through the highlights from yesterday— I highly recommend this match. It was a fun one, and, you know, obviously Diego Schwartzman, despite being a qualifier, we all know what he's capable of, so if he's able to get some rest, maybe a day off, just look out for him the rest of this week because he showed a great level in this match. All right, let's look at some of the other results from the rest of the round. Uh, obviously, we had a ton of first-round match, uh, first matches today. You look at an interesting result that I just want to bring up. Fernando Verdasco knocks out Feliciano Lopez, 6-4, 6-3. This loss means Lopez will drop out of the top 100 after 877 weeks in that top 100. Westoff, that's a remarkable number, so if you could, cue the applause, please. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. We, we talk often about it being a transition year uh, on the ATP Tour, so many of these young guys breaking through, and it's not necessarily that Feliciano Lopez is still a top contender, but it's just that you know he is a constant presence, or at least he has been throughout my entire tennis life in that top 100, and for him to drop out, it was the third longest streak behind Federer, who's at a remarkable 1,020. I'm not even touching that right now. That's just, yeah, all of your GOAT arguments sound a little bit better after you list a stat like that. Jimmy Connors, number two, 889. But Feliciano Lopez, besides cashing all those checks you make for being in the top 100 that long, just an outstanding career, one of the less heralded, just consistently solid, both singles and doubles players. So hopefully he continues to play. Uh, As I mentioned, he has had some success in doubles, so he'll get opportunities there. But I just, it's crazy. It speaks to, again, this is a year we're seeing a lot of different things happen. So Lopez out, another guy, Tomas Burdich, drops out uh, of the top 100 for the first time since January 24th, 2004. 
I mean, in 2004 at that point, I was eight years old. I am now 23. So again, for the majority of my formative life, the stuff, well, I remember some of the stuff when I was younger, but for most of the time I've been following tennis. He's been a constant. He's one of my good friend Eric Fandel's favorite players. I don't get that, but still, it shows that he has had an impact everywhere. I mean, one person, sample size, I know, but still, people know who Thomas Burdich is. Most tennis fans, most tennis players, you could identify him. Oh, yeah, that's the guy with the massive quads. And so it's just it's crazy to see both of those guys drop out, um, but... That's really all I have to say on that match. You look at some of the other results. Struff over Delian, 3-1. Munar over Sosa, 2-6-6-4-6-0. To see Munar come back in that scenario, that's the exact type of mature result you hope to see from him after the two breakthrough results he had in uh, Monte Carlo and wherever they were before that. I don't even remember. Wherever he beat Zverev. Uh, Leonardo Mayer knocks out Marius Kopel, 6-3-6-7-7-5. Jerry over Granoles, 7-5-4-6-6-4. Fuksovic, unfortunately, over Kudla, uh, 6-4-6-1. But uh, a ton of fun tennis there. And uh, as I mentioned, this is an ATP 500 tournament, so there are some incredible players in the draw. Rafa Nadal, the one seed, takes on Mayer now. Uh, we've got Gofen, Struff, Fuksovic, Tsitsipas, Team Schwartzman. That's going to be electric. Munar, Tiafo. I may like that one even more. I mean, this is a tournament to watch. FAA hasn't even played it. Ooh, Nishikori Fritz. That's juicy. Mackie Simone, Jerry Zverev, Verdasco Dimitrov. Just. Be sure to stick tuned to Barcelona this week because I promise you, you are going to get some fun results. I'm sure we'll be talking about it more on the mini break, so just you know, stay up with us. Keep up on the action. Watch yourself some tennis. All right, let's move on to our next ATP tournament. I'm going to go through this one very quickly. We've got the action in Budapest in ATP 250 this week. Not too many matches today. Uh, Badene takes out Tomic 6-4. Berrettini over Kukushkin 4-4. Four Krajinovic over Seppi, 6-2-6-7-7-5. Albot over Stokowski, 7-5-6-4. But just a reminder, guys in the draw, there, Borna Cioric, Miomir Kasmanovic. I always like Ernest Golbis. You guys may not as much, but Bachelors Vili can hit the ball as hard as anyone. And, of course, the number one seed, Mirren Cilic, who finds himself outside of the top 70 right now in the race to London. So he's trying to get points and wins any way possible. So it, it, hopefully he can get some wins under his belt here. I would be very fascinated with a Cilic-Cioric all-Croatian final. So let's try and work to that, people. All right, the next result I want to talk about, let's take a dip on the challenger level. We've talked about it a lot in the past week, uh, the USTA French Open Wildcard Challenge currently going on for both the men and the women. Uh, it's You accumulate points over a three-week span. The person with the best two results ends up getting the wild card. Uh, there are certain tiebreakers in the mix, and we'll talk about them later in the week, and they come into effect. But right now, Tommy Paul is in the lead after winning himself the challenger title in Sarasota. Sandgren right on his tails, making that final. Giron a semifinalist. I believe Sebastian Corda was a semifinalist as well. And we find a lot of them in our Tallahassee draw. And, you know, because the, a lot of those guys are seated, we didn't see them play today. Uh, but you look at who had their results today. Uh, I'll kind of breeze through these quickly and add comments as I go. Tabilo over Varias, 6176. Alex Richard, the former UVA player, over Roberto Sid Subervi, uh, who I believe played it. I don't want to be wrong. I want to say USF. Could have been UCF, but I'm certain he was a college tennis player. Richard looked great. He moved comfortably on the clay. I mean, this guy's got firepower as much as anyone. I mean, 
We're going to see a lot of UVA guys in draw. In fact, another, speaking of firepower, Ryan Shane loses to his teammate, Colin Altamirano, 6'4", 7'6". All of these guys are so talented, though, and the fact that they all played together for multiple years on the same college team, you want to know why I'm a Virginia fan, that's why. They were the best. It was awesome. But enough of my editorializing. Let's get back to the results. Samit Nagel over Yasevev, 6076. Muller over the young Atim Muller. Mueller is the Frenchman. I'm not making a political reference, I promise. Over Ulysses Blanche, 7663. Sifan Kozlov over Jurban, 466460. My boy Kaz getting a win. I think he matches up now with last week's finalist, Tennis Sandgren. So if he's ever going to have a chance to prove his level, you know, not prove his level is back, but earn himself a big momentum win, he'll have that chance there. Korda rebounds after going down an early break over Zekic, wins 6-4-6-2. Great for him to follow up his result last week with another win. Gonzalez over Milot, 6-2-6-3. Correa over Sells, 6-1-6-2. Barrios Vera over Rinderneck, 7-6-6-3. And then Emilio Gomez over Denis Novikov, 6-4-6-2. So that sets us up for some incredible tennis throughout the week. As I mentioned, some of the other Americans in the draw seeded and not playing yet. You look down the list... Um, Tommy Paul is the number nine seed. Mitchell Kruger, the seven. J.C. Aragoni, 15. Not American, but Torpegard, 13. Happy to see that. Noah Rubin, the five seed. Tennis Sandgren, the two seed. So a lot of wild card implications, and you can catch all of that live on the USTA Pro Circuit with Mike Cation. You can also do the back channel. Go livestream.com backslash ATP. They plug, I plug that site so much, they better start paying me. That might be my last plug. But seriously, guys, so much great challenger tennis. And it's not just there. I mean, there are a couple of other challengers throughout the world right now. Leon, Mexico, Escobedo today lost a tough match to former Wake Forest standout Skander Mansuri. And in fact, ACC tournament MVP and Wake Forest current number one singles player Borna Gojo flies from Kerry to Leon, Mexico, gets a win today. That's always impressive. But the action there in China, in Italy, in Tallahassee, you can catch it all on livestream.com backslash ATP. So if you find yourself bored at work, if you find yourself, you know, sitting in between exams, you need something to take a break from the studying, wherever you find yourself, watch yourself some challenger times because I promise you the level will not disappoint. All right, there's only one last thing to do. This is what we do every Tuesday. You know it's our favorite mini-break Tuesday segment. Westoff, if you could, give me the Tennis Twitter Tuesday sound effect, please. Where to start? Where to start? I'm not going to lie. It's going to be a little weird doing Twitter Tuesday by myself. Uh, But, as always, there's a ton of great action. Uh... On tennis Twitter, I spent too much time on there to be honest. But still, let's look at some of the highlights. Uh, we'll go through these quickly. Air Bear, after getting a win last week, obviously everyone's aware of what happened with the Notre Dame. Uh, you know, not entirely burning down, but certainly suffering severe fire damage. He wrote on the camera Notre Dame and put a little broken heart. And it's just nice to see players express themselves whenever possible. So I thought that was cool. A U.S. Open qualifying will now begin on Mondays instead of Tuesdays. That's awesome because all of those experience free to anyone in New York. So, again, if you like yourself some good tennis, even if you can't go Monday, go Tuesday, go Wednesday, go Thursday, go Friday because you'll have all week to go catch yourself some of the action. Uh, Let's look at the other. Is there any other? Nope. All the rest are juicy. So those are the boring ones. Now let's get to the fun stuff. Uh, I mentioned this on yesterday's mini break with Chris Hallioris, but Tennessee coming after winning in the SEC semifinals on Florida's court, 
to start gator chopping in front of a ruckus uh, Gainesville crowd to just do that after such a big moment, 4-3, big match. I love it. I mean, I don't love it. It's terrible. As an opposing fan, I would have been furious. As a Florida Gator, I would have been furious. But that's the type of stuff that makes college tennis so special and, you know, even beyond that. And actually, quick rant. So it's postseason tournament time, so I get why you want to rush the court after a big win. But there are just the rushing phenomenon in college tennis has gotten out of bounds. I mean, we're talking there's a regular season match. You're beating Delaware, and no offense to Delaware, but that's just a minute. You're beating random school X, and you're rushing the court once it's clinched. Like, we don't need to do that. Conference tournament finals, that's a rushable occasion. Making the Sweet 16 borderline rushable depends on the state of your program if you're wake forest you cannot rush at around 16 because you've been there done that you know teams of that caliber shouldn't be rushing if you're ohio state you know you rush maybe when you win another big 10 title but you've also been there a bunch so maybe not i don't know if it's a huge the point is rushing has gotten out of hand it's something maybe rushing have gotten out of hand um We'll talk about it more with other guests because I'm curious their opinion. I feel like Rothman will agree with me on this one. Other cool stuff, Naomi Osaka, Mike Cation, and Mike C. Tennis. Got to watch them drag the lines and just reminds you how enjoyable clay tennis is. So shout out to them. Fun videos from them from Double Fault from Matt Willis at Matt Rackett. Uh, the, the way they use GIFs, it's enviable. I wish I had more time to learn the technology because I love to be able to provide those sort of breakdowns for you. But that's my favorite part of tennis Twitter. So go look at the videos. They show forehand, footwork, backswing, serves, volleys, returns, anything you could want. Double Fault and Matt will provide it to you. So go give those a look. Some other fun ones. Uh, Belinda Benchich got to meet McDreamy, a.k.a. Patrick Dempsey from Grey's Anatomy. That's a big show amongst our generation for those who don't give the, the reference, but I feel like everyone's seen Grey's Anatomy. So just to see tennis players get to meet other celebrities. It shows tennis is cool, and celebrities like tennis, and they come to events. So go to events if you want to see celebrities, if you want to see good tennis. And then the, the last one people just love, Osaka Tsitsipas on Instagram Live together. People keep wanting to try and make it happen. I have no feelings on the topic. I'm still too worn down emotionally from some of the stuff we saw at Game of Thrones-wise yesterday. Um, but, yeah, check out the content. I'm always a fan of good t- content. And, in fact, something we'll focus on later this week that produced a ton of good content. Last weekend's Fed Cup action, the final France-Romania. We had USA-Switzerland. We had a ton. I, can't, I can talk about all of them right now, but I'm trying to keep today's episode shorter. Also, I'm... We're going to talk about it later this week. There was a ton of great action, much like Davis Cup, Fed Cup, another one of those team events on the pro level that just you could see the team atmosphere, see these players come together, how much it means to them to play for their country. It's so cool. So we will explore that for sure later in the week. But with that, you know, want to give a huge shout out to our super producers, Max Flinger and Daniel Westhoff, who have a f- of an editing job to do, as always. As I mentioned, if you missed anything from the tennis world, check out our website, CrackedRackets.com. Check out our social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. It's all at Cracked Rackets. You know how to find us by now. Share it with your friends, because if they like tennis, I really think they will enjoy our commentary. And I'm sorry to keep asking you for that, 
just please send the love we're trying to build a loving tennis community and everything you guys do you know we really appreciate it. so thank you for keeping on doing that I'll mention it again, free CR giveaway, our way of saying thank you to our fans. Leave a nice little review, leave your social media information, your email, and at random we will pick one winner each week. We will get gear coming to them, give them a little social media shout-out as well. Uh, but yeah, with that being said, for our wonderful producers Max Fligner and Daniel Westhoff, and for our entire team at Crack Rackets, I'm your host Alex Gruskin. Looking forward to Jamie's episode tomorrow and stick with us throughout the week. But you know what we say at the end, that's the break, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.